You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Hello, hello. Welcome into the Alana Enquirer podcast. I think we have to start this one with an apology. Uh, I know people wanted this podcast immediately after the NCAA tournament loss to Arkansas for Illinois, but I have a family and we had to get on the road to get to vacation. Derek Piper and I needed to get home to get to our families, uh, but we figured maybe a, a cooling off period isn't the worst thing <laughs> after what was a very frustrating end to the Illinois basketball season with them losing seven of their last 11. So on this podcast, Derek Piper and I, Jeremy Warner, Line Enquirer publisher, we're going to review the season for a little bit. Um, I don't know how much more we can add to the conversation that we haven't covered over the last month, Derek, but we'll also look forward to a preview of, of what is going to be another eventful off season. So Derek, this is going to be a pretty loaded one, um, given everything we have to talk about that's happened over the last week and, and, and could happen in the future here. Yeah, another disappointing finish. Uh, and you look at, like you said, losing seven of the last 11. We saw the the high points. It's going to sound like a broken record because it feels like we said everything regarding this team. But the wins against Texas, the wins against UCLA, you would hope that this team would, despite the bumpy road there in December and into Big Ten play and some tough games on the road in February, they would be able to get healthy, click into place down the stretch and to have your NCAA tournament experience be able to show their in the dance, you got. I wouldn't say it's a, a crazy tough draw in Arkansas. It was one that, as we profiled, it was a team that was pretty similar to you. A lot of talent, uh, a lot of inconsistencies for that team. Uh, unfortunately, you were down early. Arkansas really controlled that game, and outside of a young lineup with some some freshmen and RJ Melendez, uh, Dane Danger down the stretch to just make it an interesting ball game with about two and a half to go. You you cut it to five, but. Uh, there, there was no doubt that Arkansas was the deserving team to move on. And some of the same frustrating shortcomings of this team once again showed its face with the turnovers, with the offensive inconsistency. Uh, and Arkansas was the more physical team, the more athletic team. And even in a game when Nick Smith Jr. didn't hurt you all that much, it was uh, one that they were able to move on. And then, of course, beat a Kansas team that was out without Bill Self. And I don't know how Illinois would have fared against the Jayhawks. They had the experience of facing them there in that secret scrimmage earlier in the, in the year. And Illinois high point could, could theoretically beat anyone. It just had been so long since we had seen that. So a disappointing season, I wouldn't characterize it as a complete failure because you did get to the right. tournament and were able to navigate some things, but uh, there's no doubt about it. You set the bar at second weekend. You didn't get there. And given the town on the roster it was a disappointment. Yeah. Um, by the way, I'm doing this from, from Las Vegas. The family and I came out here. I'm not outside because they're in the pool. The kids are going in the pool right now. It's a, it's a relatively chilly 60 degrees. Um, so I'm not sure how jealous you are of that, Derek. But uh, yeah, uh, Illinois, Illinois is not here, um, but I decided to come here anyway. But uh, man, that, that West region is going to be absolutely loaded. You got UCLA, Gonzaga, 
Arkansas-UConn. Um, that's going to be fun here later this week. But, yeah, I mean, if we wanted to do the rehash of, like, how would you grade this season, it's not an absolute failure. Like, Michigan is a failure of a season. Uh, Ohio State, I know they ended better in Illinois, but that's a failure of a season given their expectations. But if you North wanted Carolina. to go – yeah, North Carolina, <laughs> the biggest failure, going from number one to not even making the NCAA tournament. So I think we got to have that kind of like we have to put that in relative terms. But they did not reach their goal. So is it satisfactory for Illinois? C minus. If people want to grade it, that I'm fine with that. I know some Illinois fans will go with a harsher grade than that. But you did make the NCAA tournament in a year that normally would be a rebuild, but you didn't reach your consistency, Derek. You didn't reach. The, the heights you did were in November and December, right? You beat two of the best teams in the country. There are still two of the best teams in the country. Texas looks like a national championship caliber team. UCLA looks like a national championship caliber team. You beat those teams, but you couldn't sustain that. You took care. You took advantage of a weaker schedule in January. And then in February and in, in March, you just faded. Um, and, and I think we'll get into some of the reasons. You had a great column right after the NCAA tournament loss of five reasons this team – did not live up to the hype, even their own hype, even if it's not a complete failure. And one of my biggest things is, you know, chemistry and leadership issues, the lack of urgency at times from this season. They said they were built for March. They did not look ready at all for March. So um, a lot of this has to do with the roster construction, the type of guys they brought in, um, lack of experience together, lack of experience playing these roles. But I, I thought I kept mentioning on this podcast all year, like I don't see a leader. Like at times you can see Coleman wants to be, and he, and he really put a lot on his shoulders after the NCAA tournament loss, um, which you like to see a guy take that kind of accountability. But Terrence Shannon showed glimpses of it, but never really took it. Um, and then I think Brad Underwood was expecting something out of Matthew Meyer that Matthew Meyer just doesn't have. Um, Matthew Meyer can, can get hot and he ended the season ice cold, which really hurt this team. But just because he played on Baylor didn't mean he was going to be a leader just because he played in the NCAA tournament played well, didn't mean he was going to be a leader once that happened. So, um, those are some of the frustrating things there. Cause we did see some talent. We saw at times that they could be good offensively. We saw at times they could be good defensively, but this team lacked juice when we showed up in Des Moines. Uh, I didn't want to make a big deal out of that because you don't know if it's going to translate. But the last several games that Illinois played, they did not look like the aggressor. They did not look like the team who felt like they needed to be urgent uh, until they got down big. For whatever reason, when this team was playing with a huge deficit, they played with the urgency they needed. Like how they didn't start that to start with games. And I kept looking at Terrence Shannon to, you know, start the way you start second halves because he, he really took over that Arkansas game at some point. But that was one of the biggest things that was lacking with this team was either that on-court chemistry or that on-court urgency. For sure. Yeah, I mean, you watch some of these other games and teams are coming out looking like their season's on the line from the very beginning, and Illinois just didn't necessarily have that, even going back to that regular season finale at Purdue when they just were, were not in it. Like They were asleep. It was a sleepy spot, 11 a.m., but come on, you're, you're playing – a top five team in the country, which would have been a win that could really boost your resume. Talk about the path that you want to set yourself up on in the NCAA tournament. The Michigan State's a good example of how much a seven seed would have been better than an eight, nine. Not that they didn't deserve the credit for beating a two seed in Marquette, but uh, Illinois didn't do a good job of, of having that. There were so many examples where they dug themselves those early holes and 
if they could just have found a way to play with the intensity, the desperation, the, the way that they flew around defensively when they needed to, to come back and have their backs against the wall. Uh, and I, I know that people can criticize Brad Underwood for maybe not pushing a couple of different buttons, whether it means changing the starting lineup or throwing out some, some pressure at times. We saw how much the full court press bothered Purdue. If you maybe would have been able to do that uh, on a longer extent of time or earlier in the game, but it also goes back to roster construction too, like you talked about. And there are some learning lessons that I think it's going to be really interesting to see the way that the staff grows from that or, or pivots from that when you really don't want your, probably your leaders to be guys that have never been in that locker room before. Now, some of that you probably can't control because there's always going to be a transition on your roster when you lose Trent Frazier, DeMonte Williams, Alfonso Plummer, and then some guy like Curbelo. That was just a situation was probably best for both parties that, that he moved on and found a change of scenery. Uh, everyone goes back to, and we heard it all year long, Brandon Podjemski. Uh, they didn't run him off. We didn't have any indication he was going to have this type of year. Uh, he could have competed for a role, but he brought in a bunch of freshmen. You brought in some transfers, uh, but going maybe with another transfer at point guard and not having a, a veteran there really was a, a shortcoming for this team. And Sky leaving even added less depth at that key position. So uh, we saw turnovers down the stretch. We saw just not being able to consistently get into offense. Like it's very concerning when Brad game after game goes, yeah, we didn't run a play the first possession after Arkansas. is like, we didn't run anything the first three possessions. So when that becomes an issue, consistent issue, Derek, I want to change the starting lineup. Like, I know he just says he doesn't care about the starting lineup. But, yes, I agree with you. There were some buttons he didn't push, whether it was benching guys, um, that certain guys he didn't bench that much. Or just, you know, at at one point during the season, he did go to Sincere Harris just to give you urgency uh, at the starting lineup. Uh, I thought that was really important. But getting back to to the other thing you're talking about, other than the the mental, the urgency, the, you know, leadership kind of things, it's the offensive struggles – were personnel driven. I, I think a, a lot. Um, and, and I do have a theory that I want to throw at you here in a second, but you didn't have a lead guard. You, you bet big on Sky Clark and it blew up in their face. Now, you know, Sky Clark had a history of doing this. He had some red flags. He had the injury coming off and he certainly wasn't the same player as a top 40 prospect. Uh, but the transferring out, um, we, we find out midway through the season, he's no longer part of the team. That really hurts you. Uh, when you could have gone and gotten a transfer. I don't know if Courtney Ramey would have came here over Arizona, but you could have gotten somebody of that ilk, right? Like a, a Jalen Llewellyn type player from somewhere that, that has some experience uh, can help create for others. And then just a lack of shooting. I don't think you could project Luke Goody would get injured. I don't think you could project RJ Melendez would shoot 24% from three this year. Uh, but th- this team was just not built to, to be good offensively in hindsight. It definitely wasn't. And yeah, like you said, gambling on Sky, regardless of the fact that he did bounce to five different high schools and had that profile of when, when things went wrong or, or it was just someone that was was always looking for, for greener grass. So there was that dynamic, but just the fact that he was coming off the ACL and really hadn't played a lot of basketball within the last year coming in and that he was going to be your starting point guard. Uh, even Jade Nepps, someone that is more of a scoring guard than a playmaker. Now they did go out and express interest in some guys like Jermaine Williams who ended up going to Iowa state with someone they were pretty interested in. And uh, Courtney Ramey was a guy they dabbled with. Uh, I know that from the Illinois side, they never went all in on trying to get him because they worried about bringing him in and whoever's going to end up third in the pecking order, whether that be sky or Epps was probably going to be unhappy. And they wanted to be able to bring back that backcourt duo the following year, kind of thinking 
bigger picture. And that's kind of where they were trying to tell the line of let's win this year. Let's get the talent to go on a deep run. Let's change our roster as far as the makeup with the athleticism, and the length, but then also let's think about the future because we really like our freshman class. Well, ultimately you ended up losing one of those point guards anyway, but there's no doubt that the ability to elevate other people around them, make some plays and, and key moments, whether it be early in the game, offense getting into a rut or down the stretch, they really struggled to, be able to execute with the game on the line. And the season would have been different if you could have scored some points slate against Iowa or Indiana or even Purdue when you stormed back and the game was there for the taking. And you, you put some guys like a Terrence Shannon in a position that he had never been in before. Now, part mm-hmm. of that is what allowed you to get him because he wanted the ball in his hands more and wanted to be a focal point. And Brad talked about trying to be the Boston Celtics and that you got wings who are playmakers who are ISO, who are doing some things like a la Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. And obviously that was supposed to be your your Matthew Meyer, Terrence Shannon. And then the point guard maybe isn't the on-ball guy. He's a spot-up option who can shoot the three, but also playmake a little bit. And that ended up hurting you. I think schematically too, like Brad scrapped, if we're just talking offense, obviously it happened defensively too. Everything they did in the summer, it was five-out offense. It was putting the ball in Coleman's hands in the perimeter and just kind of this not a lot of structure, a lot of freedom, a lot of read and react. And the chemistry, as we really come back to a lot with this team, never matured and never really developed. So they had to go spread middle of the season. That has limitations. We didn't practice that all summer. And Can I throw something at you, Derek? Yeah. Okay, I was, I was talking with Latua up a little bit uh, about this. Obviously, scrapping that helped in the short term. Yeah. Right? In January, you were more structured. You took care of the ball better. You won games against some pretty poor opponents. They did beat UCLA and Texas playing that way. Switch everything um, defensively. Now, defense, I think that the schematic changes mostly help. Obviously, they led up towards the end of the season. But offensively, I don't know if they get to the NCAA tournament if they don't change to the spread. But towards the end of the season, would they have been better if they sort of stuck with it? If they just would have stuck with this organized chaos, um, ISO stuff, because it was just dreadful at, at the end of the year. We saw him sometimes run the spread well, but I don't know if this this personnel was made for the spread. That's why Brad didn't run it originally, right? Like Dane in the pinch post is not the, the best thing, um, but at least got them moving for a little bit. So so what do you think of that? Like, would they have been better at the end of the season uh, if they would have just stuck with that? But I don't know if they get to the NCAA tournament if they don't change those things. It's hard to say offensively because we know that Coleman still had some turnover issues. And if you're not, a lot of times the issue with the five out was you had one guy with the ball on the perimeter and four guys really just standing there. There wasn't a whole lot of off-ball actions, off-ball movement. And that kind of goes back to, you know, what is the schematic here? And I know even asking Brad after Missouri, like, what are you guys trying to do offensively? <laughs> like, what, like, what's the, the, the goal here? And, you and you what, went off your space on him. What do you say you do here? <laughs> yeah, right. So that that was an issue. Uh, I think we still, even within the spread, we saw the isolation ball, obviously, out of Terrence and, and Matt. And sometimes, you know, Matthew Meyer pulling up for threes at Wisconsin was, was a big reason you're able to get a win at the Kohl Center when you didn't have much else going offensively. Or uh, he played well at Iowa there as well. So. Uh, we still saw some of that, which was feast or famine when you got guys taking step back threes and maybe not getting into downhill or just having the ball pop. I think that's something when you think about the spread, when you go back and watch the Stephen F. Austin tape of, of what they were able to do, the ball movement is so crisp and and, and rhythmic. And, and also you got read and react stuff. You got I think that's something that this team never really got to was that 
okay, it, the spread is really predictable in what the base action is. You know where the cutters are going to come from. You know they're going to swing it and try to get two-man game. There was no real pivot off of that, and I think that's something that's hard to do when you implement it mid-December. I, I honestly have questions about – I think it's, it's fair to say the pinch post guy should probably be a pick-and-pop guy, should probably be a, a really good passer, maybe like Coleman. And then also I think that it's something that still hasn't been proven at the high major level that it's uh, enough of a dynamic offense. I think that in general, and sometimes it can be simplistic, like Illinois' best offense here in the last five, six years was just honestly simple ball screen with Io and Kofi. Now you had dudes there. You had guys who were dynamic at those positions and you surrounded them with some some shooters, but uh, they obviously didn't have that as far as consistency, a guy they could really trust in, in the lead guard. I think going forward, they probably want to get back to, I think Epps is someone that can develop into that, want to get a veteran ball handler. I think that getting back to ball screen action, but I think in general too, like just having sets to run, like to be able to dial up some some set actions to get a guy coming off a screen. I know that, you know, it's kind of recency bias seeing some of what Micah Shrewsbury does offensively. We know that Matt Painter's a big guy as far as sets go. Illinois didn't go that direction. I don't know if they had the time to, develop that as they went through the season or just that's something that they, they opted not to. I think defensively the press is something that maybe would have translated further on down the season. Just to have that in your bag is something you could use earlier in the games versus just desperation points. I want to bring that up, Derek, because I thought you did a good job of this in, in your column was, you know, we talk about since February 1st, I love Bart Torvik it allows you to, you know, use these dates so you can cherry pick data. Um, but, but since February 1st, this team has not been a good team. Uh, 82nd in the country in efficiency, but we talk a lot about the offense number 93 since then that doesn't surprise anybody, but this defense lost its bite uh, for number 78 in the country in defensive efficiency over the last six weeks of the season. This team was supposed to hang its hat on that. I think we knew there was going to be some offensive issues with the personnel, but the defense totally let up late in the season. And, and I thought they played well enough against Arkansas defensively to win. So um, that's not the issue. Like Arkansas, I didn't think played that well. <laughs> Their second half, they were settling some for some really tough contested twos. Illinois deserves some credit for that. But Devo Davis uh, made some huge buckets. I, I love Jordan Walsh, by the way. You don't need to worry about urgency and intensity from, from that freshman. Uh, it was all over Hawkins. was all over Meyer. He was fantastic. A huge part of their win that, game, that day. Um, the defense led up as well. So it wasn't just on the offensive end. No, definitely wasn't. And I think that it was something that worked for Illinois with the Arkansas matchup as far as like they didn't shoot the three all that well. Some teams that really bothered Illinois were those that could space you out. Like obviously Penn State, you go back to Missouri. So they had some issues where they got caught in having to guard the three-point line and getting caught in space, not getting out to shooters. And then just some of it is just urgency, intensity, having that extra grit and, and the intensity from the – the get-go that led to their defensive mistakes. They, they weren't a, a great defensive rebounding team. That was something where some teams could hurt them on the offensive glass, and, and that certainly showed. Now, part of their defensive metrics being hurt was the offense would kill them. Like Their, their transition defense was burned a lot of times by turnovers, bad shots that led, led to runouts, but there were some times also where Illinois didn't do a good job of getting matched up back there, and that was some – I know a lot of people, too, will, will point to Matthew Meyer. I mean, he's – his focus and uh, just overall commitment to the defensive end was very inconsistent. We saw some times where it was really, really good, like his his chase down blocks. And, and when Illinois was at its best, they had 
Coleman, Meyer, Shannon, guys that really contested the rim. I think RJ was one that you could actually point to as a bright spot, the way he developed defensively later in the year, Ty Rogers. Uh, and then when, when Epps is out there, sometimes bigger guards could hurt him and, and people attacked him. So, yeah, Brad went into the year talking about this could be my best defensive squad. It didn't play out that way, especially down the stretch. Like when you're in the 70s, uh, 80s, as far as defensive efficiency through the last six weeks of the season, you're not anywhere close to being a, a top-notch unit to that end. And that was something that really got away from them. And I, maybe it just was a mentality thing. Uh, as well as as some things that, um, yeah, I think again, I think shooting hurt them, and uh, but some of it was scouting reports, some of it was just breakdowns when they did switch. I know they had two against Penn State or earlier in the year, they they busted all of that, so uh, that was disappointing. The way that the defense never really mater- materialized into a, a very big strong point. All right, before we dive into uh, the offseason and what's coming up, I want to tell people when you hear the names Frank Williams, Sergio McClain, Marcus Griffin, Jerry Hester, and others, they evoke great Illini basketball memories. And for two decades, that Peoria, Illinois pipeline powered one of the greatest eras in Illini hoops history. And now you can read the inside stories and behind-the-scenes tales of these great players and more in an engaging and new, insightful book. It's called Playground of the Pros, Legends of Peoria Basketball by Jeff Carson. It's published by the University of Illinois Press. Get your copy wherever you shop for books online. Again, it's Playgrounds of the Pros, Legends of Peoria Basketball by Jeff Carson and published by the University of Illinois Press. You can get your copy uh, wherever you find books online. Just got our copies in the mail. I'm, I'm uh, excited to dive into that one, Derek. Yeah. Um, I wonder. I, I haven't read yet if it has the Livingston wearing an Illini jersey. Oh, boy. I haven't got in there yet, but I know this offseason will have some time to, to dive in for sure. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, let's dive into this offseason preview. This is what the people want, Derek. Um, a lot of things could happen this offseason. The transfer portal is open. Uh, head coaching changes are happening. The portal is starting to fill up. I think it'll start to fill up even more. Uh, this goes through mi- mid-May. The transfer portal window is open. It's the only transfer portal for college basketball. It's two months long. And, of course, Brad Underwood is going to have his player meetings here shortly. I will say a lot of these players look to re- – I don't want to say they were happy because no, no, no competitor is happy to be done. But these guys, you could tell this last month was very difficult for them. And even Luke Goody was like, I think guys need to get home. I think they need to get home, take a breath because we always talk about this two years ago, losing to Loyola, the weight of that has been on this program for two years. And it was probably unfair for this team coming together, but uh, you know, this fan base is great, but there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. They see these things. They hear these things. Uh, obviously, they're covered by guys like us really intensely. And, and Coleman Hawkins is like, I need to get home. I, I need to get home, be home with my family. Of course, then you talk to people about what's next, and, and the transfer portal is open. And, and I think the most important thing, Derek, and two of the more impressive teams down the stretch, I think, were Penn State and Michigan State. Those teams had continuity. And, um, you know, Kudos to Tom Izzo. I still think you should add in one more transfer center, but continuity has really helped them. 
And it, one thing that has hurt Illinois is they've lost some of that continuity the last couple of years. Some of that was going to happen with seniors, with Kofi Coburn, but some of your bench guys that, that might leave, like a Pajimski, like a, a Curbelo even, right? I know it was time for that to, to move on, but some of these recruiting classes are not sticking together for a long time, like some of Brad Underwood's early classes. But I think we'll start with the big names, and then we get to the, the lower names. Coleman Hawkins and Terrence Shannon are borderline first-round picks. And I just read Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN today, one of the more tied-in guys. Uh, whether you think his rankings are the best or somebody else, he is tied in. And he said Terrence Shannon helped himself in the NCAA tournament. I, I don't disagree with that. I thought he was great. Maybe the best player in the court the final 25 minutes of that game against Arkansas. Uh, really got to where he wanted to go once he got um, aggressive. And Terrence Shan, I think, has a great chance to get a guaranteed contract as a likely top 40 pick in the NBA. He's got to show I think he can shoot a little bit more. But I think Illinois should make their pitch. You know, you got this icon collective, and they can put together a lot of money, and Terrence Shannon is worth a lot of money to Illinois. So if you can make him a deal that's close to what a two-way contract is, which is $500,000, he is certainly worth that. Coleman Hawkins, on the other hand, Jonathan Bavoni said, probably didn't help himself uh, all that much. He's still got questions. Some people love him. Some people don't. He certainly has the skill set the NBA wants as a, 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 you know, a stretch four, stretch five that can guard anybody. Um, can, can really pass it really well, but he's got turnover issues and he did not shoot the three ball all that well this year. I think Coleman Hawkins could really help himself by coming back. I think the best place for that would be Illinois. And I think it'd be great for Illinois to get him back because I think he's got some leadership qualities, Derek. And I think he learned a lot about it this year. He said he was a little bit more relaxed that way than Kofi and Trent were in previous years. So I think he could learn a lot from, from this year, but I, I think goal number one, is make your pitch to those guys, make your big NIL pitch. And I'm sure that is already underway. Cause if you get one or two of those guys back, that'd certainly be a coup for Illinois. Yeah. We all love diving into the portal and thinking about the different possibilities. And, and also we know that Illinois is very competitive as far as the NIL front goes, but sometimes it's the biggest asset to recruit the guys in your roster to come back. And we saw that last year, all the conversation around Kofi and what Illinois was putting together. And then even saw it with Illinois football. Yeah, true. Good point. And I, I think that, yeah, the, the conversations are definitely there again, that what Illinois can put together, would it be more than a, a two-way contract? Maybe one of those guys or both of those guys would, would be able to covet. Uh, there are some some lack of guarantees if you're going to get picked there in the middle of the second round or obviously below that. Uh, so that's something that, that should be had uh, as far as conversations go with those guys. And uh, it's interesting with Shannon. I think Shannon I know that Shannon fully came into Illinois with had had the COVID year to opt back into, but the expectation was that he was going to be here for a year, was going to show out better for the NBA, and he was going to go. Now we'll see as far as the 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 word that he gets from the NBA, what that potential contract would look like, and what his willingness to spend another year in college would look like. I know that whenever he got asked, he kind of and he was very mum after the NCAA tournament loss. He didn't have a whole lot to say. Obviously, a lot of disappointment, and we. You understand that he, he has said that he hasn't spent a whole lot of time thinking about it, whether that's true or not. But uh, Shannon would be he was already one of the best guards in the Big Ten this year would be yet again. Uh, Coleman Hawkins, I, I do think there's probably a little bit more value and that what his upside could be if he did come back, if he shot the three better, if he cut down on turnovers and just played a marquee role for another season. Like Shannon had spent four years in college and really was a even his freshman year played a, a decent amount of Texas tech and then was a, 
a starter his last three. This was Coleman Hawkins' first full year as a starter. Yeah. You could argue that getting those those reps could really allow him to, to become more consistent and develop into a, a bigger role and be more comfortable with it now that he's really seen the, the side of that as being one of your marquee players. So uh, I'll be interested with Coleman because we've talked about it, like the highs and lows of him. I think some teams won't want that as a, a guy that comes off the bench and, and just you don't know what you're going to get, especially offensively, a guy that can really hurt you. And then some will will be really excited about the upside. Anybody that can defend like he does all over the court, switch on to people. We know the NBA is a big, you know, can you, they'll try to put you in switches and Coleman's not going to be a problem. I think Coleman can guard a lot of people, but the downfalls will be the, the turnovers, the three-point shooting. Some will think that he can get bully balled a little bit, which, you know, he's, he's probably never going to be, uh, he's never going to be a bruiser, but obviously he could come back and get a little bit stronger. So uh, that's, I expect both to go through the process. Yeah. And obviously we'll These aren't quick decisions, right? Like they got to declare by mid-April uh, and then they can come back. They have the combine in early May in Chicago, and then mid-May is when they have to to make their decision. I would expect both those guys to be to go through the combine. I think both get invites to the combine and then make their decision after that. Yeah, for sure. And then in the meantime, I think the staff will kind of want an initial gauge on which way the players are le- leaning, and that way they can kind of angle themselves for the portal because if Coleman's not back, they definitely want to go out and get a stretch big and a guy that can do some of the similar things that, that he does. Ideally, of course, Shannon, a, a big time wing, big guard, that type to be able to fill those shoes. That's something they want to be able to fill. So I think getting kind of the initial wind on it, but we've seen these things change on a dime. Like Kofi Coburn two years ago was all in on staying in and ultimately pulled his, pulled himself out. And, and there he was, you can always usually make these things work. But there is some importance, like when you recruit some of these guys, they'll want to know, you know, what's Coleman going to do? What's Terrence going to do? And then if they yeah. come back, there could be some unhappiness or guys that will say, hey, that's not what I was promised. I want out. Um, that, that's something that this staff is going to have to navigate. But then again, to have players that are in these conversations and ha- put themselves in these positions, it's definitely good for your program. Would you say Terrence Shannon? 25% or under chance of coming back. I think he's a top 45 draft pick, which usually means a guaranteed multi-million dollar deal like I would assume. Yeah, I think so. I, yeah. I don't expect Terrence to come back if I were to yeah. peg it right now. And then Coleman is a much more interesting decision. Here, here's, here's the other key, and I know Coleman will be plugged into this because Coleman's plugged in everything, right? Um, the 2023 NBA draft is really good. It, it's, it's a deep class. It's great at the top. Um, and it's pretty, it's pretty deep. You know, we got to see all these decisions that get made. Some of the big 10 first round decisions will be very interesting, but I think Coleman still has, you know, helium. Like, I don't know how much more Terrence Shannon can get his stock up because he's going to be 23 years old or 24 years old next year. Right. So like how much more can he help his draft stock? I, I, I don't know. Like, can he get in the end of the first round potentially, but he can get to the NBA early. If he gets a top 45 pick, likely multi-million dollar guaranteed contract early. Coleman, I don't know if he's guaranteed that. I think he'd most likely be a, a two-way deal kind of guy when if he can raise his stock, help his three-pointer, improve his game, be uh, just clean up a little bit of everything and be one of the go-to guys on Illinois, uh, I think he could be you know, in the discussion for top 25, top 20 draft pick in a weak class in 2024. That's the key. It's a weak class, um, according to all the experts, in 2024, both in depth and top 10. Like, they're talking about it's like one of the worst 
potential draft classes of the 2000s here. Um, so I think that's got to play a, a role in the Coleman Hawkins. So I think he's much more likely to come back. I don't know what kind of figure I'd put on that. And, and of course, you know, Coleman Hawkins can have more options than, than just the NBA. So it'll be very interesting to see how that goes. Getting either of those guys back would be huge. Getting both obviously is another level. But if they can get Coleman Hawkins back, I think that's that's huge just to have a guy who's been part of the culture, you know, as frustrating as some fans might find him at times. He's really important to what you do. Uh, and he's one of the most valuable and consistent players on this team. The other part is, Derek, getting a lot of younger guys back, right? I, I, I think most of these guys you want back on your roster. I don't think you want to go into the portal or go with a bunch more freshmen and turn over you know, 80% of your roster, 70% of your roster again. I don't think that pretends to, to consistency and, and what has made Brad Underwood's program successful outside of having a few stark key players. So, you know, RJ Melendez, I think a couple of months ago, people thought, eh, probably going to enter the portal. I want that guy back because um, he gave a crap, man. Like his, his shot was not falling, but that guy gave a crap. And we saw him towards the end of the year start to play pretty well offensively, but also be one of their best defensive players. Um, you know, obviously the NCAA tournament again for him was, was really impressive. Freshman. I want all of them back. Ty Rogers, Jade Epps, sincere Harris already said he's coming back. You know, Dane danger. It was a rough end of the year. Um, how he fits, how you want to scheme, all those things you got to figure out. But obviously he had a pretty good season for his first full season of college. Obviously look goody, Ty Rogers, you, you, think those guys are pretty bought in both those guys talking about you know what's next for this team so I came away from that locker room thinking more guys would come back than I, than I would have thought Derek but you know those guys are going to say those things probably to us anyway and then they'll go home and they'll figure this all out but there will be some kind of attrition I'm sure but I think you want to keep that as, as low as possible because even if this year was frustrating these guys can learn something from it they know how Brad wants to play they know um, you know what it takes to win now and can learn from some of those mistakes. So I, I want as many of those guys possible as, as many of those guys back as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important for the continuity. And I just think a lot of those younger guys have a lot that they can really grow into. Like a guy like Jaden Epps taking all the minutes that he played as a freshman and playing on the ball. When I know back in the summer, there was talk like, Oh, I don't, I don't know if he can play point guard and, and can he make the reads and the playmaker. I think he showed a good amount, especially being able to get downhill. And there were some flashes of him making some some good passes. And I think that's can can grow into uh, something that that really matures for him. I think that it'll be interesting to see how Brad wants to what kind of guard they want to pair with Epps. I think it will be someone, obviously, if Epps is sticking around that uh, that fits with him, because I think that Epps is a huge part of of their plans. We know that he can really score it. The three ball eluded him down the stretch of the season, but I think that he's still a pretty good shooter. And that's something that uh, can, can get going for him. We see a lot of freshmen struggle with the three point shot, you know, year in and year out. I can see up scoring 15 points a game. If he comes back here, like, uh, you know, it, I, I wouldn't understand if he left, like I understand Brad can be tough to, to play for at times, but yeah. boy, he gave him the keys in, yep. in January. And, and I thought Epps responded really well had a little bit of a rough stretch there at the end of the year. And then of course the concussion, but uh, to me, it'd make, you know, you're the lead guard. You're, you're, you're the go-to guy. Brad's going to bring somebody in to help him do that and to compliment him and make him better. Kind of like he did with Trent Frazier and I would assume him, right. But both those guys uh, played together well uh, eventually and, and won a lot of games together. So um, yeah, I think he's a huge key. And I, I think RJ Melendez and Ty Rogers can take massive leaps next year i think both those guys can be really really good 
And Sincere Harris is just everything Brad Underwood wants uh, in culture, in, in intensity. Um, so, and I think Ty has all those things too. I think RJ showed those things down the stretch. I want all those guys back. Yeah, I know you talked to Ty there in the locker room and, and felt like, you know, he was saying all the, the right things you'd want to hear for a guy that would be coming back. And I think in general, I mean, I know you said that about RJ as well. And Luke, uh, we, obviously, Luke, I think yeah. Luke's all, all in here. Yeah. And I'm definitely not worried about Ty or Luke. That's just my gauge on it. We'll, we'll be interesting to see what happens with RJ. I, I think that the good thing on the Illinois side is that through all of RJ's struggles, like Brad continued to trust him. Brad continued to roll him out there. He RJ mentioned that several times. Like that was the biggest thing. Cause I think most of these guys are going to be like, you know, cause I asked most of these guys, what's the key for you guys over the next couple of weeks, which gets crazy in college basketball to grow as a program and take steps forward. And, you know, RJ mentioned multiple times, Brad trusting him and sticking with him. I think that really mattered to him. Now, you know, you never know moving forward, but I think that does mean something to him. I, yeah, for sure. And it should. And uh, and this fluctuates, you know, sometimes you'll hear buzz about a player or a guy might have his mind, I wouldn't say all the way made up, but leaning one direction at one point in the season when things aren't going well. And and then the the final weeks of the season, something different changes and uh, it, maybe he's he's trending towards coming back. But, yeah, there's no doubt that when he was missing all those shots, seemed like he was getting buried a little bit on the bench. Luke comes back. He had this one game suspension. It's like, OK, this probably isn't going to work out. All of a sudden he did finish pretty strong. The three, the three ball didn't come back super consistent. I think that's something that can still mature for him as well, but uh, the athleticism definitely plays like the ability to attack the rim. I thought he got better at just, you know, driving straight from the baseline Uh, defensively. He was really active and made a mark at that end of the floor too. So having him come back for his third year, having some real experience under his belt would be important. Sincere is a guy that, yeah, Culture guy, guy that's going to fly around, guy that's going to defend his butt off, doesn't seem to care about wanting to score too much. Now, there were times where he was aggressive off the bounce. Uh, I think he can – I think Sincere has uh, a decent amount of, of upside to become a, a pretty good player because it is just being able to finish at the basket. I think some strength will come with that. It's just working control. on – Control. Yeah. He needs to be controlled. And, and, and you and I were – you got a piece coming up about one thing each guy needs to work on in the off season for him. I was like, play off two feet. Just, you know, but that's more about playing under control. He's got a little wild, but he was aggressive. Like even the NCAA tournament, Derek, like he was the one guy getting the basket early in the game uh, off the bounce. Like he was actually, and then Shannon eventually did it, but you can see there's a little bit of offensive upside. Like at some point I can see sincere Harris averaging eight to 12 points per game as an upperclassman. By the end of the time, maybe I still go back to what you talked about too. Tajay Moore, can that happen? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got the athleticism. He's got the ability to make an impact defensively. Wasn't a terrible three point shooter. Now the numbers in Big Ten play weren't very good, but I think on on the whole, him shooting 30, 30 plus percent from three would have been a positive. So I, I like what he can be. I'd want him back for sure. Uh, and then I, Dane's an interesting one. I, I think that. Number one, just kind of the, the dynamic of guys transferring multiple times. Is the NCAA just not going to call people on that? Like the the whole one-time transfer rule, are they going to hold people to that? I don't know. Like we yeah, saw so, some people, yeah, some people you talk to, Derek, we've talked to, they think, yeah, they are actually going to enforce it this offseason, but they haven't done it yet. Right. So it seems like, like you see a guy like Jamison Battle, which would be his – 
second transfer. Maybe he's a grad because he's yeah. a, a four-year guy. So maybe that adds a different dynamic to it. But uh, Dane definitely wore his frustrations on his sleeve late. Body he language was, was poor. Yeah. Body language was poor. He was struggling. Uh, and, and we'll see what that ultimately looks like for him. But uh, I, I think that if you were to leave, yeah, that'd bring in a lot of opportunity for Imani Hansberry right off the bat, which I think people w- would be okay with. But you do want experience down there. And, and Dane, to still have two more years – is something that he could really build on. He had moments of looking like a, a upper half, at least Big Ten big man. Now, obviously, didn't finish that way for him. Yeah, after that Rutgers game, like he was looking like he was on a roll, like he was going to take off and be, you know, a no doubt huge piece of your program moving forward. But yeah, just the way it ended for him, his, his body language, he really slipped defensively late mm-hmm. in the season, just wasn't as active and locked in on that end. But we did see the upside of Dane Danger. Like at the end of the day, like his numbers, his impact, like was a little bit more than I thought it was going to be. For sure. And while you could bring someone in, like obviously if Coleman comes back, I think it'll be interesting how they evaluate. Do we want to go back to having our five man be the, the space it out guy? Now there are times obviously in the big 10, when you want someone that can really bang it inside and then also throw it in and get you a bucket. If he could be a little better with his decision-making, I think sometimes if he could just take one power dribble and go up and finish versus trying to do the spin moves and over dribble and everything. That's something. And again, it's a guy that didn't have a lot of playing experience in college basketball. This was pretty much his first season that that's something he could build on. But yeah, he, he did slip down the stretch. You wonder where his head is out on that. Uh, And I, I I think it's interesting too, kind of, uh, and I'll be honest, like players are going to be going through some stuff throughout the season. There's going to be highs and lows. These guys, I mean, they're, most of them that we're talking about have potential to come back or anywhere from like 18 to 21. They're going to wear some emotions. Um, and, and Brad has to be able to, to manage that. It's, it's a hard deal. You don't want to be handcuffed based on, well, I can't make, I can't push this button. that's right for my team because this guy might transfer. Yep. But at the same time, Brad is someone that gets on his dudes and that's going to wear on some people more than others. We've seen that. Uh, throughout the years some guys aren't aren't going to respond well to that and once they've experienced it for a full season and you compound it with some of their struggles they're going to leave and then in general like a guy like adam miller who played a bunch i don't think he got rode by brad a whole lot he just wanted to leave because he wanted to leave so well, and, you th- and you think yeah and you think of some of the guys that we're talking about will they come back won't they some of these guys were playing 25 to 20 minutes for for illinois so you know like at some point coach has to correct him, but it's also on a coach to balance that right so that's why i think continuity is going to be really important we'll see if brad underwood can pull it off he's also got to add to the team uh they need shooters the guys we're talking about even if they return danger rogers harris even if coleman came back rj is he a reliable shooter like outside of goody is there a reliable shooter on this team like epps i think can be um, but but his shot's got a little bit of flatness to it at, at times as well. So I think it'll be over 30-something percent, but you need more shooters on this team, and you need a lead guard. And that's going to come from the transfer portal. Too early to see what those names probably are. Like, we've seen the names attached, like one of the kids from Wofford, um, Jamison Battle. He's got interest from everybody. But I, I think the bigger question here, Derek, is what is Underwood's reaction to this season? You know, would he go get another Matthew Meyer? You know, would he go get a one-year guy? Or is it time to go multi-year portal guys, focus more on culture, focus more on fit, than maybe 
you know, whether they're a top 20 transfer or not. Like, listen, I, Terrence Shannon worked out. Matthew Meyer, I, I guys, I know how that went. You still all Big Ten third team was your best player for about a, two months of the season. So I, I know the ups and downs of those guys, but I still think that worked out. But this will be interesting, Derek, because do you want to go more the long-term route? There's going to be pressure on Brad Underwood to win next year. There's going to be pressure on Brad Underwood to win in the NCAA tournament next year. I'm looking at our live chat right now, and they're discussing hot seat. They're discussing coaching candidates, right? There's pressure, but how do you build it? What do you think? What what do you think Underwood's reaction to all of this is going to be? Because I asked him, Brad, how do you keep continuity? Like, What do you earn from doing all this? And he brought up their young Listen, their starting lineup was mostly guys three plus years in, in the NCAA with varying experience. Uh, you know, RJ was the youngest guy as a sophomore in their starting lineup at the end of the year. So he was young, but it also had some experience. Uh, what do you think his reaction to all this is going to be? Well, they had more tournament experience than Arkansas, which I know that wasn't something that Brad really wanted to talk about, but that was, that's just kind of a side note and, and it didn't ultimately work out. I, it's tough. It's tough when you can go out there because, you know, the, the quotes out there from uh, Jerome Tang talking about Kansas State versus Kentucky, at the end of the day, we had more dudes than they did. You want to be able to go out and get dudes. Like, you want to get guys that are difference makers. If you can land someone that, yeah, might be a one-year rental, but is an NBA-caliber guy, that's very enticing. And with what Illinois can pull NIL-wise and, and even sell Terrence Shannon as what he was able to do here and to an extent, Matthew Meyer, like, Meyer's going to have a two-way deal from somebody probably. Yeah. It's easy to focus on the end game for Meyer, but the middle of that Big Ten season when Shannon wasn't playing like the the type of guy we saw early in the season, maybe that's – if you didn't have Matthew Meyer, would you have made the tournament? That's that's a conversation to have too. Like, No, no. The answer is no. The answer is no. But at the same time, Matthew did hurt you uh, late in the season, right? Some of his shot selection. Shot selection was a big problem for, for this team. He had no interest in being a leader. Like that was something that you need to be able to have internal leadership. I, I think trying to hand that over to obviously if you brought Coleman back, that would be someone that could do it. Shannon for a second season would have some real, you know, vested interest in Illinois and, and would be more established there. But even a guy like Ty Rogers, can Luke Goody elevate his game to where he's a real leader there? That can maybe help you pull in some of those hired guns or however you want to call it. Um, but I think yeah, it's Luke, very. Luke even mentioned that. Like he was like, you know, Luke and Ty both said, "I have to be a better leader." Like there was a, like they talked about vocal leadership void. But Luke brought up like, if guys transfer in, even RJ brought this up. I need to, I need to take them in and teach them the culture. And, and Coleman said it slipped a little bit. Luke said it slipped a little bit that they need to to fill that because they were here with Kofi, with Trent, Coleman, with Io. Like those guys mentioned that a lot and. Maybe that that can be helpful, but you also need to bring in the right guys that that can bring that because you know there were times Derek you mentioned it the vibe was off, the vibe was off with this team even towards the end of the season yeah. like it just never fully gelled and whether it was Sky Clark and you saw the Coleman Hawkins comments about that and I do think Matthew at times was really frustrating for his teammates because when he would let up defensively or or go off script offensively which sometimes was good. Um, the, the other guys got frustrated. You could you could see Coleman Hawkins doing this every once in a while on the court, right? Like you could read that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. The vibe was off in December, and it wasn't right down the stretch either. Like it, it was something that there, there wasn't the full 
buy-in, it didn't seem like, collectively yeah. from the team. Some guys were caught up in their emotions with their struggles. Some guys maybe were, were more focused. You know, Matthew Meyer was very uh, individual focused, I think, a lot of times. Now, it helped you, like, to be able to make some threes, but when he wasn't, uh, I don't think he – wanted to buy too much into being the go follow my lead type of guy. He just wanted to do his thing, show up and and get his. Um, I know someone in the chat brought up an Andrew Funk who's a one-year rental. Go get one of those. I mean, that <laughs> certainly helps. And there's, there's different ways to kind of analyze, you know, who, yep. who's this guy going to be? What's his expected role? If you can get a role player who's a one-year shooter, like absolutely. Penn State did not expect him to be that good, by the way. No, <laughs> uh, but, they, but they loved it. But, yeah, he was Alfonso Plummer-like. I will right. take another Alfonso Plummer. Yeah, I think that's completely fine. Uh, maybe for more of your your lead guys, maybe you want either those that were holdovers within your team or multi-year guys. I think about uh, Texas. You know, Texas went out and got a, a handful of multi-years transfers like Marcus Carr, uh, Timmy Allen, Dylan DeSue. Those guys – have been with Texas for multiple years and they added Tyrese Hunter to that mix, who was also a multi-year transfer and it, it's worked out pretty well for them. So uh, I think that going with a, a handful of transfers again, you're going to have to just based on filling out your roster and you, with filling out your needs. But yeah, I, I think chemistry needs to be, it's probably something they learn. They, they got to really try to piece that together. It's sometimes a hard gauge because you're just, if, especially if you didn't recruit them in high school, you're, you're trying to, call up people that know them or just get to know them on the phone for this is, this is quick. This is speed dating. Right? You hear coaches talk about that. Like, do you really get to know a guy in this guy? Like they know who Amani Hansberry is, you know, Dre Gibbs Walhorn. People have questions about him bouncing around, right. Uh, with yep. AAU teams, high school teams, they at least had the time to get to know him and have had time to get yeah. to know him a little quicker than the Hansberry kind of stuff. But you know, um, some of this stuff is, has been speed dating. Even like Zachary Perrine was a little bit speed dating oh, for, for them. So um, that, that leads to, you know, maybe some, you got to take some chances or, you know, you don't, you don't have a complete picture of the guy until he gets into your program. Right. For sure. I, I know that Brad recruited Matt a little bit and they knew Matt was different. Like they, they knew he was <laughs> a different dude. They knew that he was obviously talented. I just think like the championship pedigree of Baylor, they probably expected him to be a little bit more of, let me show you what I learned at Baylor and, and what translates and, and all that and kind of command the locker room a little bit more. I, I think Shannon was, of course, the guy that put the spotlight on there and something didn't fully click for him. It didn't seem like he fully was the leader that it was expected at the, at the front end. But uh, even like, yeah, someone like Jamison Battle, who two years ago was one of the top scorers in the Big Ten, but He's kind of a high volume guy. Is he just coming in for one year to to get his shots? He, he takes some questionable ones. He's a high high volume shooter. Do you want that? I, yeah, I don't. I don't know if Jameson Battle's a winning player. Yeah, right. Like th those are good numbers, but um, that's why I think continuity is really key here. Bring back what you know, then add some complementary pieces. I, I think the lead guard is going to be very important here, Derek. Jaden Epps is going to be a big part of what you want to do next year or should be if you can get him back but like that that one maybe you know you want to go talent there like i i want a talented guy but those complimentary shooters i want somebody who's hungry at this level so maybe you look i don't want to say down a level but you know mid-majors a10 you know maybe not the, the the highest level guy like i think that would make some sense if we're if we're going hypothetical transfer fits here for sure i think that a name that will be on people's mind if they 
see a Jaden shoot pop up from Duke. I mean, he's a guy you're familiar with, but that's not to say I, I know that he's going to hit the portal. He didn't play a whole lot of Duke, but yeah, there are going to be some interesting choices. Of course, the portal still has a long ways to go to really fill up and know who's all going to be available. I, I know for sure there's some that, you know, the names that get passed along that, that aren't popping up quite yet. So that's something that we got to be able to, to see uh, mature, but the, Illinois is going to have a bunch of options. They're going to have resources. They're going to have opportunity to sell. And and that's obviously all a good thing. I think just – They will get to, talent. They, like, they I am not – if, if there's one thing I'm not concerned about with Brad Underwood right, right now, it's getting talent. Yes. It's about getting the, it's been about getting the right fit with that. Yep. And I, I think that that goes both ways. And both of roster construction, this roster had too many flaws. And being able to have the shooting that, that helps some downhill guys and, and to be able to balance that out. But then also, I think the fact that Illinois' chemistry and leadership never clicked, that they couldn't collectively play above, you know, what their their overall talent was. Teams that are really bought in together, that play hard all the time, that, that are all about winning in themselves, you know, collectively as a team, sometimes the, the sum is bigger than the parts. And Illinois was never that. And I think that's something they got to try to find again. Well, Penn State is a perfect uh, example of that. The other part, Derek, let's talk about the coaching. I think Brad Underwood's we're talking about it. He needs to find the right style. He needs to right, find the right identity and get back a little bit to what, you know, we see this a lot. You have success. And then the next group of roster, it's hard to keep that. Brad, uh, Bruce Weber struggled to keep that after Darren and D left. Like you expect to win, but winning's hard. And you, you have to keep those cultural identity things there, but you also have to put them in, in position, succeed a style that, that makes sense. I think every big 10 coach right now is probably thinking about like, man, how do we win in March? But Brad thought this team was made for March and built for March. It, it was not. So what does he go back to? That's I'm going to find this really interesting with Brad. I think they have a lot of, I don't want to say soul searching, but some figuring out to do offensively. Like, what do you want to do? How do you get that? I think they can bounce back defensively. The guys that we think are going to be parts of this roster long-term, I think are pretty bought in defensively. Um, you were better when Matthew Meyer was not on the court. I think we saw it in the NCAA tournament game. Um, so I, I think they'll be pretty good defensively, but Coleman's a, a big one they'll have to replace if, if Coleman decides to move on. But um, I, you got to figure that out. Like it, this, is, this is an important offseason, and you know, getting back to what – culture you were but also just a play style that that works i think it's gonna be very interesting whether he continues to to ride with the spread and have guys who now are more familiar with it or i think that personally if i were to do it find a, a dynamic point guard uh, in addition to Jaden Epps and try to go a lot more ball screen stuff and, and we'll see if that's playing someone at the five that can and pick and pop dane can can be a a rim runner and roll to the basket and everything. But uh, I think that, that just kind of the modern basketball, I mean, we see it all the time. What do you see in the NBA? And Brad talks a lot about what fits there is a lot of pick and roll, a lot of being able to have someone get into the paint and spray out to shooters. They didn't have the shooters this year. So, uh, and I, I don't think, you know, sometimes there were open shots. Like as far as the scheme goes, they did get some, some open threes from the outside. Uh, just didn't have guys that could ultimately hit them. So, uh, and ISO ball isn't, all bad. I think sometimes I think Brad's point about you got to have guys that can go get you one like late yep. in the shot clock and key moments. Can a guy just break his man down and go get a basket? I think that's still very, very important, but you want to be able to have more rhythm and flow about you offensively, more off ball movement, more structure and scheme there 
that's something that he's going to have to to be able to draw up and, and, and mess around with. I think that defensively, what they ended up going to with less, with not much switching, I think you can have it at times, but it just created a lot more, uh, a lot more stability, a lot less accountability, <laughs> accountability, accountability too. too. Yeah, and I think that maybe depending on how the roster shakes up, maybe if you get a bunch of of athletes and dogs, you'll want to throw out some more press uh, earlier on. And, and especially if Ty Rogers and Sear Harris are, are more focal point type of players going forward, Dre Gibbs Lawhorn's very athletic. If he's going to be playing a good chunk of minutes, that's something they could do and and try to be disruptive. I mean, and you don't necessarily have to to press to do that. Like Arkansas, a very into you. You know, as soon as you get across the half court line they're really going after you trying to create steals so um something they got to really be able to to study and, and try to come together and, and find a better plan because they went in with two styles of play one on offense one on defense into the offseason and scrapped them both by December yeah. Derek before uh we we get to some of these messages um Nico Moretti is here. I talked to him a little bit. People can check that story out at alanainquire.com. He's bought into the process, it seems like, about what this is going to be after redshirting. Dre Gibbs Lawhorn, I think we see the talent. What he did against for overtime elite uh, in that league was, was really impressive. One of the better players in that league, uh, which has some NBA prospects in it. And then I think we all think Amani Hansberry is going to be a perfect fit for what we're talking about, like culturally, versatility-wise in the post. How do you think those guys – you know, kind of fit into what you do next year. I think Hansberry is certainly going to be part of the rotation. Can he shoot is my big question because you need some shooters uh, in the front court. I think Dre Gibbs Allhorn is going to play because he's that talented. Um, I probably want him as one of my three guards. I, I still feel like I need another one. I think Nico Moretti is probably going to need some time, but at least he will have some time in, in your system. Yeah, I agree with you on all that. Moretti is someone that's going to need more time to, to get strength. I still wonder how he's going to be defensively. And I think until he gets a little bit more strength is, is would be someone they really try to pick on. Now, is he someone that off the dribble can get in the lane and, and break things down? He's very talented with his handle. Um, he's not the most athletic of dudes, but he's got he's got some Curbelo to him. Better shooter from the outside. He's, he's got an ability to to shoot from deep, but consistency is something that he needs to be able to develop. I, I think that he showed uh, in the FIBA playing for Team Italy that uh, the mid-range pull-up is something he can do as well. I think he can be someone that's in the mix, but probably won't play uh, a ton next year, but you want to be able to bring him along. And if he is you know, truly into that process, that's somebody that uh, you know a year from now, two years from now, uh, could be, really be a, a nice piece if he develops the way you would hope. Gibbs Lawhorn, yeah, I, I mean, saw it at the Indianapolis session at UIBL where he was the MVP uh, amongst a ton of really good players, put up a bunch of points. And, and while he didn't play a whole lot for Mount Verde, went to overtime elite and showed what he can do of, as far as attacking the basket, really explosive athlete. Three-point shooting is something he can do. It does need to be more consistent. And that was something that watching him on the EYBL circuit, there were times where, you know, throughout a weekend, he was maybe a 40% three-point shooter. And then during the summer it was sub 30. So, uh, I think that's a big key for what he can do as far as how much he'll contribute and where he kind of stacks up in that, that guard uh, pecking order. And then defensively, I think he's got what you want in terms of the, the athleticism, quick twitch type, but can he really develop at that end and, and be bought in and understand, uh, you know, a lot of it is also a thinking game, being in the right positions, understanding angles and fighting through screens. How does that develop for him? And 
you know me, I, I love Imani Hansberry. I, a lot of people do. Uh, Three-point shooting is something that's got to develop for him as time goes on. He's Your also- guy who actually came to Illinois, one of Piper's wow. guys that wow. came to Illinois. Actually got one of my guys. Uh, probably because I never officially said he was a my guy. That's, that's <laughs> you why didn't I say it publicly. You said it he actually ended up here. Yeah, not publicly. Uh, very good rebounding. You, you've brought it up here recently. And I think it's a good point. Like, he's a Michigan State type, someone that we've seen there that Izzo has coveted for years. Uh, Marez Johnson, two years from now, is obviously going to fit in that mix as well. But uh, Hansberry is going to be a guy that they want on the floor. I, I think he's someone that, passing wise, that was one of the things that. I was most impressed uh, with him. He's someone that can play outside the paint and both uh, in the post as well. Uh, defensively, it's just, you know, how, how does his – I think he's mostly an undersized five, especially yes. until the until the three-point jumper really comes along. And you think about the modern game, he's probably an undersized five, six foot eight, but he's got long arms. How, how does that translate in terms of rim protection – uh, that's something that you probably have to monitor. And then, you know, Coleman's return or not would probably say a decent amount about yeah. how much Hansberry really plays next year. All right, let's get to a few of these comments in our chat. Um, the chat's going off today. Uh, appreciate you guys tuning in live, more than 300 people uh, at a time. That's awesome. Thank you for the support. Everybody watching right now, give us a like, subscribe to us. We really appreciate that. And we do have an added feature. We're not going to push this too much. There are super chats available if you want to help us support uh, even more. And we will always answer any kind of super chat. So appreciate you guys following on the YouTube channel and, and supporting us there. All right, Dory said, we'd love to see another plumber and Felice type on the team. I know those are small guards, Derek, but if you gave me an Alfonso Plumber clone and a Andres Felice clone, yes, that is exactly what this team needs offensively. I thought culture-wise, both those guys great as well. Easier said than done to find those kind of guys. But, yeah, man, like, you know, Andres Felice is one of my favorite players because the intensity wasn't the, the most skilled guy, wasn't the biggest guy, certainly as strong as an ox pound for pound. But – and then Alfonso Plummer is a transfer who just could be attacked defensively, let's be honest. But, I mean, just an absolute flamethrower from deep. So – we're talking about people bringing up funk. You had one a year ago. And Alfonso Plummer, everyone's like, oh, I wish I could find that guy. Wasn't that most highly ranked guy? I think he was like number 80-something transfer on a lot of lists. But, yeah, I mean, somebody, if you can find anybody with Andres Felice kind of traits, sure. That's what that's what I need. Guy who can get downhill, guy who helps on the glass, guy who's just always giving his uh, most intense effort. Yeah, you'd love those guys. Yeah, Felice was a two-year guy, especially if you can get that. And also, yeah, like you said, I mean, he's a culture guy. He's someone that there's never going to be a question of what he's going to bring uh, in terms of the intensity, the physicality. No one could really stop him from getting to the basket, especially in transition. I think that Brad would probably, as he evaluates too, like this team was supposed to be electric in transition, and they didn't really run a ton. I, they they tried when they could, but their transition numbers really weren't what they expected. Now, some of that, you got to get stops. You got to get turnovers. That helps you get out in transition. But uh, I think that a physical guard uh, that's more mature to go with Epps. Now, you'd wonder about, you know, maybe a Felice wasn't a, a dynamite shooter. Shot it okay from three as a senior. And you'd uh, like someone longer if you can find yeah, somebody longer. If you could. But, I, I mean, I, I'm i with you. I would take a Felice in a heartbeat, especially yeah. for two years. And Plummer, I mean, he put him in the category of a funk, of a your guy Tomanaga. I think Tomanaga and Plummer are very similar. And while, yeah, maybe they'll hurt you defensively, if they can hit four or five threes in a game, you can balance that thing out. Caleb says, Illinois will be able to bring in a great point guard. I agree. The cell is great. 
Um, the NIL is good. I hope they make the right choice in the portal. Yeah. Make good choices, as parents <laughs> like to say. That, that's really important. This offseason, Brad Underwood. Yes. And it is someone that you're going to want that has has the right mentality. And I think that even a Courtney Ramey wasn't like the pure point guard at Texas. He had kind of gotten phased out of on ball. Now, uh, we talked about fitting someone with Epps, like him playing next to Carriza, her Carriza over there in Arizona. Really worked out because Ramey hit a bunch of threes, still had about four assists a game. But I think it'll be interesting. Do you want someone that is, without a doubt, the guy to run plays every time? Or do you want it kind of a combo role where Epps can do it some and, and a transfer can do it some? I think that's kind of going to be an interesting dynamic. But, yeah, yeah someone that can really make other people better is going to be mm-hmm. important. I think Again, I think you'd like the multi-year guy here. But, like, even like a – you know, Mike Smith, when he went to Michigan, like that kind of player could be very useful yeah. for Illinois, even if he's not the best shooter um, in the world. Of course, you'd like a really, really good shooter. All right. Our guy, St. Dominic, has been going off for a while. He didn't like this team down the stretch. He was right. He's going off about Underwood in the chat. But his yeah. his thing, my complaint is Illinois always keeps a coach longer than they should have and end up in a bad position. The handwriting is on the wall with Brad, but in typical Illinois fashion, we love mediocrity. You've not been mediocre. You've been the best team in the Big Ten the last four years. For whatever that means, I know the NCAA tournament success has not been there. One of the greatest Illinois teams we've seen got upset in the second round of the NCAA tournament. That is hanging over this entire fan base, over this entire program. Um, but th- this whole conversation, like, unless he misses the tournament next year, like that that's the earliest I would say Brad Underwood's seat is warm there. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. But gone. yes, he deserves criticism. For like sure. He, he is, it is fine. Like every Big Ten coach, pretty much right now, is, is deserving of some criticism. And yeah, I think, I think Brad is, is open to that. And I'm sure they're going to evaluate themselves. And uh, wasn't able to push, like he was throughout the season, Derek. I think he was desperately put trying to find the right buttons to push with this team. Uh, not that this was ever going to be easy, losing all these guys, adding all these guys, but uh, he was just never able to kind of make it all work together at the optimal level. He was trying to push him schematically and also from a psychological standpoint. Now, there were still some that I think starting lineup was a big thing that people were driving home. And I, I thought he should have made some more tweaks to it. You saw a lot of Ty Rogers would have been in my starting lineup late in the year. Yeah. A lot of the same slow starts. And that was a, a big theme that never really went away. But uh, in terms of Brad's status, I mean, he's taking you to three straight NCAA tournaments, would have been four if he could kind of 2019-20, the way he's elevated the floor at the very least to be in the mix for a tournament and has gone there four straight years, should they be satisfied with that long-term? I get it, no. Should not be satisfied with no Sweet 16 appearance since 2005. Most of that not under Brad's watch. But Brad has had teams capable of making a Sweet 16, um, including the year they weren't able to go to the tournament. I think that would have helped that next team. But they got some hard draws, and then they just didn't perform. They haven't performed in what, three of their last – Four, the last three NCAA tournament games, right? Or four NCAA tournament games. Four. Four. Yeah. The last four the NCAA tournament game games. game was not good. Didn't even really deserve to win that game. Yeah. You've played been... poorly in four yeah. straight NCAA tournament games. Yeah. That's not like that. Figure it out. Like that's on coach. Yeah. There's, there's pressure on him to figure it out. It will be interesting based on how he constructs this roster if it's kind of a longer term, maybe like a two year reload versus maybe one year all in all expectations where he comes out and said this past offseason, this is my most talented team. I also wonder how he frames 
things going forward? I think Brad's always been like that, obviously. But do you change some of that? Because you are, you know, setting yourself up for for big, uh, for people to be underwhelmed if, if you're going to say those, those big type of things. But you had the talent, and, and it didn't work out. Uh, would we have? How much would we have thought of this season differently if Illinois beats Loyola, goes and plays Oregon State? Assume you win that game. If you're in the Elite Eight, and then this you year Loyola, like, you're going, you beat Loyola. I think you're going to the Final Four. <laughs> like, yeah, it was easy. Like that was the hardest of those games. The way it kind of went out. And if if you at least reach the Elite Eight, or if you did go to the Final Four this year, people probably be like, yeah, I'll take a a dice roll in the in the tournament. And if it doesn't play out, hey, we got there, and let's let's reload again. And let's try it again. But obviously, there's more pressure on it because of the the looming failure there. And and the NCAA tournament to me. I know a lot of people – and look, the regular season is, is important. Being able to get to the tournament, having a chance to win conference tournament. Especially uh, in the Big Ten. Title. We, yeah, we, we can talk about this too, Derek, but the Big Ten, it's hard to get through it. it and, and and a lot of these guys build their teams to get through that. And I think it impacts what they do in the tournament and the way they coach. Like it's more structured because you have to be structured against these other great coaches – in other leagues, it is less structured. That's why I find it interesting of how Brad built this team to be a little less structured. But when you start 0-3 in the Big Ten, you got to get to the tournament uh, through the Big Ten. So I think he went more structured and helped them in the short term. Didn't help in the long term. I don't know if this season. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you see a team like Arkansas, obviously, Auburn. Some of those SEC teams are, are just uh, a little bit more – Freedom and, and athleticism just running all over the place. And, and it, it works for them. It's a bad matchup for Big Ten teams. And you got to be able to win in the tournament. That's your ultimate definer. That's how people define uh, big picture. It carries the most weight. Like you think about Tom Crean in Indiana, like two Big Ten titles wasn't enough because they didn't have a memorable run in March. And Brad, there's a, there's a risk of getting to that point with Brad if this doesn't turn into a second weekend, which is going to have to be – what you're still hoping for. And, and yeah, I agree. As far as the big 10, I think Illinois could have been, I think there's something to be said of trying to be different in the big 10. If you can do it well enough. Like if you don't have, if I look at defend, man, <laughs> yeah. If I look to defend, if Illinois defense really was like the Houston defense, they thought they would be, then it would be a different conversation, but they weren't that as far as, you know, not quite as athletic um, and, and like trapping the posts. They obviously went away from that against TJD. It didn't work. They did it better. Next time they faced him, Edie, I thought Edie was going to kill them. He didn't. Um, offensively, not having that point guard really was a, a big deal. But, yeah, hot seats talk is just – it's frustration. And if you actually yeah. believe it, it's not going to happen. Um, but as far as tweaks and learning from this year, and, uh, yeah, that, that's completely fair. And, and pressure to win and get to that second weekend is, is definitely fair too. I think that's a good way uh, to wrap it up. Thank you to everybody who, who tuned into this. We will do more of these as the season goes along, Derek, and there's more news, and I'm sure there will be news in, in the coming weeks, uh, whether it's Transfer Portal, the current roster, all of that. Uh, and hopefully uh, at some point soon we get to talk more about Brad to kind of you – know, we talked to Brad after the, the, the game, but to, to maybe get in some of these more philosophical questions about what you do learn from the roster, what you do need from this team, how he reacts and his staff reacts to this team. Cause I, I think that's going to be the fascinating part uh, of this off season to go along with everything else. So uh, any final thoughts, Derek, as we wrap up this podcast, it's going to be a, a wild ride through the spring yet again. 
Uh, and, and this this portal will really heat up, but it, it'll be exciting. I mean, it's it's turned into the free agency part. I know some people get frustrated with the lack of continuity. And, and don't get me wrong, if you see a handful of names, we, we went through them that you'd want to come back at the portal again. That would be very frustrating and would put you. If in you a see city. the Minnesota thing happening, whew. oh well, yeah, that's like, a, what a is happening level. there. Um, you don't want to be in a situation if Brad is talking yet again next year. Well, we had to replace 90 percent of our roster. You, you don't want to be in that circumstance. For as talented as Illinois could be at the very end of it, that I, I keep going back to, and we've talked about it. You wrote about it in your uh, off-season checklist. You got to be able to to bring back the guys that you want. Uh, and then hopefully maybe you get a, a Coleman Hawkins or a Terrence Shannon Jr. If it's within their best interest to come back uh, for another year. But that's really important, I think, as your baseline and then try to build up from there. Great stuff. Thank you, Derek, uh, for the time. Uh, busy offseason is ahead. You can read all about it at IlanaInquire.com. And as names come up, as news comes up, of course, you can check Alana Inquire. Thank you to everybody that tuned in live on the YouTube. Give us a like on your way out uh, and subscribe to us as well. That helps us out a lot. And, of course, wherever you get your podcasts, give us a follow, rating, and review. For Derek Piper, I'm Jeremy Warner. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you next time right here on the Alana Inquire podcast. Get out to the pool, Warner. Bye, everybody.